This episode is brought to you by AdColony, ensuring that your mobile video adverts are being seen, measured, brand safe, and make an impact. Let's talk digital. We are at the cutting edge of digital tweaks, changes, transformation. A local digital marketing podcast. Conversing with industry experts and getting excerpts about the exceptional. Hosted by Audrey Naidu. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the conversation. I'm really looking forward to what's coming up in South Africa in the next couple of months and years. Hello everyone, welcome back to this week's episode with me, Audrey Naidu. Today we are talking about one of my favorite subjects in digital marketing, which is brand safety. With new consumer habits comes new rules and new opportunities. We'll be talking to a leading subject matter expert joining us all the way from Belgium. He is the director of brand safety and digital risk at Group M. Having previously worked as an agency advocate in Brussels on many challenging issues for the ad industry, such as privacy and consumer protection, Stevan joined Group M EMEA in 2017. He supports the company's digital operations by looking after all areas of digital risk, which includes reputational, financial and legal, and underpinning media quality processes and governance. Let's give a warm welcome to Stevan Ranjelovich. Welcome to the podcast, Devon. Thank you, Audrey, for inviting me. It's good to have you with us. You are speaking to us from Belgium. Um, how's the weather there? No, it's uh, it's very gloomy. Not the proper summer we were hoping for, but you know, you got to work with what you have. Yeah, you can join us in the doom and gloom because in Johannesburg we are experiencing freezing weather. So I actually can't wait for spring. Yeah. I- I'd love to join, but uh, and hopefully I will be able to join you in person after this madness of Corona passes. Yeah, that would be good. Stefan, why don't you tell our listeners a bit about yourself? So I work as director for brand safety and digital risk group Hamimia, um, looking after lots of different things, uh, but you can put it more or less in three buckets, which is reputational risk, uh, financial risk and legal risk. So everything that has to do with contextual brand safety, viewability, fraud, uh, and etc. On a, on a more personal note, I am uh, Serbian by origin. It's a little country in the Balkans, um, and I actually uh, I'm an avid reader. So I read a lot, and I and I love those long family sagas. So I actually have a recommendation for you. It's a book, Pachinko. Um, I can't remember the author, but it's a, it's a really, really great book about a South Korean family uh, living in Japan and back and forth. So uh, for the summer or your winter, great read. Thanks. And I know in your pastime, you used to uh, be almost like a professional dancer, right? Yeah, that's true. But it's been it's been some time since then. I did all kinds of dances from uh, ballroom dances down all the way to actually to hip hop exciting times now i i just do it uh, at weddings and sometimes in in this post but rarely yeah i'd like to see that in action stevan <laughs> when i do visit maybe yes, yes for sure um yes so let's get down to the topic now um i mean you and i had a conversation last week around um you know one of the hot topics in the industry ad industry right now is brand safety um, and you know what, I'd like to start from the beginning and is like, how do we define brand safety in today's context? 
Um, you know, defining brand safety has been more or less a challenge because everybody has a different different concept for it. Um, at Group M, how we define it is, um, you know, uh, taking care and mitigating all different kinds of risk. Um, and I mentioned uh, those three. So uh, reputational risk, which is where the most perceived risk uh, there is. So it's contextual brand safety, right? It's your, it's your adjacency to different kinds of content, uh, etc. And then there is the financial risk, which is viewability. Are you actually wasting money on ads that, uh, that couldn't be seen? Or uh, are you actually, as a brand, giving money away to, to fraudsters because you're not taking some mitigation tactics? And the last one is the is so-called legal risk, which is mostly about the, the GDPR in Europe, um, uh, which is actually uh, ensuring that you know you process the personal data of our users in an in a, not only a legal way but also ethical. So all of this is for us group and brand safety. But I know that most of the people actually focus on the contextual brand safety uh, and the reputational risk uh, on on there. Yeah, I, I like the way you break that down because I mean, it's it's some of the stuff from a brand perspective, you don't generally consider because um, the responsibility is on the media agency. Yeah, well, you know, it is media agency implements a lot. Uh, but at the end of the day, it it is really a joint responsibility because it is the brand itself that defines what is acceptable and what is not. Um, it's very difficult for Group M to say what is acceptable for a bank, for an entertainment brand, for you know, for a beauty brand. Um, every brand has different risk uh, tolerance and risk appetite, and that is okay. And what media agency is there for is to advise you, uh, so together we can we can create uh, a better path for how to keep your brand safe in an online environment. And I think, you know, as agencies and clients work more closely these days i think that's exactly the way that not only we approach but i i think we see the industry approaching brand safety in that way it's a collaboration rather than uh, isolation stevan um this year in june group M released a brand safety playbook and uh, and this playbook was well received globally due to its context um, and you've you've actually included some of the the changing not only consumer uh, behaviors, but also um, media um, genres or, or formats coming into the fold. Um, can you maybe take us um, through what was the essence of this playbook? Sure. How much time do you? Have? Yeah, I know. Let's let's but... just go high level. Yeah, of course. Um, so um, I'll just tell you, uh, like, the, the, really the, the 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 highlights. I think one of the main uh, learnings from from this report that you can see is actual the, the actual policy shift. So we see more and more privacy uh, privacy legislation popping up around the world. GDPR was really the uh, the catalyst for for all of that. But we also see more and uh, more. Uh, regulatory attention around uh, around the, the harmful content online, how we as an industry can help prevent that. Uh, when it comes to what is also obvious is that consumers, uh, mostly due to COVID, but also this is something that will, that's just perpetuated by COVID. You know, there are new, new channels that are on there. So more consumers are joining the different uh, social platforms that, uh, that offer light touch and light hearted content, such as TikTok, 
uh, we also see that um, consumers are more into are more into gaming. I think there is like one day uh, one data point that I read: eighty six percent of all of uh, of uh, online users are actually playing one game or another at one device at all times, which is a huge number if you uh, if you ask me. Um, but um, the report itself speaks about gaming, audio, digital out of home uh, as new uh, as new yet old uh, channels. And what is common for these channels is um, the the lack and the challenge actually of the measurement. So uh, the the cornerstone of brand safety is uh, being able to measure where your ad appears, how viewable it is, uh, actually has it been served to bots or a real pu- or real people and etc. And unfortunately, uh, for the moment, we, we are really lacking industry standardization in how we can measure. So every platform has its own thing. There is a bit of fragmentation of demand, the supply, which makes the measurement complicated. And that's that's really a, um, that's really something that we have to work on. And the final thing um, is uh, the the phenomenon of uh, fake news. So um, fake news, as we know, have really played a big role in in all the developments in the recent in the recent years. But what is seeing now, we see a disturbing trend of uh, fake news growing into deep fakes. Uh, and deep fakes is basically somebody, for example, can take now this recording of me and you, Audrey, and they can create, you know, they can put it through an algorithm and then they can uh, mold our voice to to say something that we never said before. And why this is a problem for brands is, I mean, you know, anybody can take any of the CEOs, uh, board members of big companies making some uh, bad statements that go against the, the corporate social responsibility of that uh, of that company and etc. And sooner than you know, you know the share prices can go down up, um, and this is obviously a, a, a big a big problem. But the the ultimate goal uh, and how we can avoid all of this as the industry is simply by investing in quality media, which means you know con- high contextual brand safety, suitable, uh, viewable, uh, as less fraud as possible, and um, and working uh, with our partners closely to make those environments safe. Mm, was that short enough <laughs> yeah thank you for that i think uh from just by listening to you it it seems to be quite a complex multi-dimensional view of brand safety it's not as simple of uh getting the tools or the the tech or processes in place it's actually um having a more strategic view of what brand safety means for a brand yeah, that's correct. Brand safety is not a deterministic science. It is not, uh, you, you know, it, it's not on or off. Um, it is, uh, again, a determination of your risk profile, where you want to invest and how you how you want to invest. And it's absolutely true. I mean, as I said, brand safety as a, as a practice, you know, involves all these risks. But um, increasingly, and I think this is a trend that we have seen in the past, two years more or less is that it comes a point where brand safety is almost considered to be equal to social responsibility of brands. So where you as a brand choose to invest is an actual picture of your values uh, as, a, as a brand. So imagine a brand being into female empowerment and then being seen on a, on a 
website or an app that uh, argues against abortion. Um, this is this is something that any brand would want to avoid. And I think more and more you see consumers actually, you know, paying attention to these to these elements of, of brand safety. So while brand safety and social social responsibility are different, um, they do uh, come together in the time when the consumer is actually uh, considering how brand interacts with it. Yeah, I mean, I'm just thinking while you, you said that is recently we've seen uh, a lot of blackouts on social media, you know, talking about different viewpoints from hate speech to racism to domestic violence or abuse against females. You know, it's difficult for brands then to say, oh, let's make a call are we actually supporting whatever channel this is going on? Um, do we actually advertise on social media? Where do where do brands strike the balance? This, you know, this is um, really a decision that goes to the to the heart of many uh, of of many brands. In a sense, to the heart of their values and uh, and the purposes they they want to embody uh, and to and to portray and to convey to their to their users. Um, but at the same time, it's uh, it's also what they are considering is you know how effective a platform it is in in for for their for their advertising and and etc. And every brand has um, has their own way of assessing these things. Again, there is no one one size fits all answer. Um, but it's a it's a, it's a tough call, and I can't tell you what again you know I can't tell you what is right and on what is not. What is absolutely right is for brands and the industry to work together with uh, publishers, platforms, and to try to get things to the right uh, to the right point. Because um, online environment is just not perfect. It brings out often the worst out of people because uh, there is, uh, you know, there is this uh, almost a lack of human control, self control when you're online. Uh, because you don't speak to an actual person, you're speaking to a screen. So that brings really the worst out to people. And this is not limited only to platforms. You can see it on, you know, domains, apps, etc. So um, what we need to do as an industry is really, and what we have been doing through the Global Alliance for Responsible Media, through different uh, industry associations, is, you know, try to make, uh, to work together to make these, uh, these environments safer, not only for, uh, for brands, but also for uh, for users. Stevan, I just want to pick up on on the things that you've you've mentioned just now. That I, from what you said, I've seen four shifts. Um, one is policy shifts, two is channel shifts, three is consumer shifts, and four is context. Um, in terms of content shifts. Um, we've also seen a rise in uh, audio. How is that going to impact brand safety? Well, the, uh, audio is uh, before the COVID, uh, the, the COVID crisis. Um, audio was foreseen really to grow significantly. And one interesting fact from eMarketer, I think I, I read it in, it was that 78% of people do not mind ads on podcasts because they just consider it, you know, to be natural to the flow. But however, due to the, due to COVID, you know, many people stopped listening to audio. So now you can see a bit of, uh, a bit of, um, 
because they, they, traditionally they used to use they used to listen to audio when they were commuting. Audio has the same issue as other channels, new channels, digital out of home, uh, connected TV, is that really uh, measurement is not in the best place. Um, you can't, it's very difficult to measure the audibility, which is uh, the synonym for viewability just in the audio space. Uh, once when somebody downloads, for example, a podcast, you know that they have downloaded, but whether they have listened to the ad or they actually skipped the ad, you can't. That's something you can't know. So from the brand safety perspective, it is just because there is no uh, way for us to measure yet. It does carry a certain level of risk. But again, as more ad investment flows into it, uh, we are hopeful that IB Tech Lab and other industry initiatives you know, are going to create standards for us to understand better this environment. I guess what you're saying is brand safety will never be binary. I mean, it's not a yes or no thing. Um, it would continuously be shaped as the industry evolves. Yes, absolutely. That's that's very true. It is so fluid. I joined Group M three years ago, uh, and since then uh, it has grown um, and expanded. But w really what remains true uh, is uh, throughout all of this is that it's just, you know, it, it's a word of brand safety, but it has a different meaning every year, every two years, more or less. And why it has a new meaning? Because new challenges keep up popping up in new channels. So absolutely agree with you. It's, uh, it's going to continue to be a challenge for years to come. And some of the, some of the surveys that I've seen from advertisers, more than 75% believe this is just going to become a more important topic in years to come. Yeah, certainly in South Africa, we're seeing a similar trend uh, where we're now putting together projects and uh, task groups to actually look at brand safety at a more strategic level and not just at an operational media level. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, what's the outcome of this. Yeah, I, I, I work uh, quite closely with my South African colleagues because South Africa is part of my, uh, part of my remit and they, you know, they... Uh, they, they keep me close to, to some of the organizations. And I think South African market is, uh, and I'm telling you this honestly, because I really work across 35 markets even more. South African market is, is taking this topic very seriously. And uh, the work that you guys uh, have done in the past, that I think on viewability and, uh, and, uh, and cetera is, uh, is, uh, is, is, is really valuable. And it addresses, it's not that it's valuable, you know, only, but it actually addresses the right pieces of, uh, of, uh, of, uh, of problem. Yeah, that's good to know. Stefan, I just want to, you mentioned three types of uh, brand safety risks. Um, can we quickly touch on, and I know this could take forever because there's so much to talk about financial risk, but what are some of the things that brands should consider in terms of financial risk? Uh, well, the, the two Actually, under in that bucket, you have three things to consider. One is uh, the viewability, which is, um, as you know, I mean, we have two different standards today in the in the industry how we measure viewability. The MRC standard, which is fifty percent of pixels and uh, uh, and certain amount of seconds, and the and the Group M standard, which is one hundred percent. It is, it is something, obviously, from our perspective, viewability, uh, you know, higher higher you go, uh, 
better for a brand because it's a, it, it can be a waste of money if you're investing in ads that are only you know 10% viewable. It's it's just a waste of money. In terms of ad fraud, which is the second thing, um, ad fraud, according to some of the um, data that I've seen, is the second largest um, revenue stream for organized criminal after drug trafficking. It is it is enormous. So brands, what what brands need to do is, first of all, you know, uh, check their supply path, uh, work on inclusion lists, uh, constantly optimize and monitor, use third party verification, uh, and and etc. And the third one is actually in demo. So. Um, are you targeting users that you actually want to reach? Because if you have, a, I don't know, perfume that you want to sell to, to women from 35 and 45, but you're actually reaching a man from 55 to 65, uh, are you actually uh, missing your, your audience and therefore also wasting your money? So these are the three different pieces of that financial risk bucket. Okay, and in terms of wastage how do you measure that so if we have to do an audit tomorrow on on our account how would we go about measuring the the amount of wastage coming through from a financial risk perspective Uh, you would check you would check how viewable your ads are on average on different channels be it uh, in-app domain uh, desktop uh, and and etc see how you can you know check what's the average see how you can whether it's too big a big uh, if the if non-viewable percentage of those uh, of that average is, is really too high uh, uh, then then you may have an issue you know, so you know you need to speak to your to your media agency and then speak to suppliers uh, to give you better uh, uh, better inventory uh, in terms of uh, in terms of fraud obviously you know uh, first of all, you need to check how you're buying. Uh, are you buying on a, on an exchange with no exclusion list, with no control? Uh, and how you assess it is, you know, you you rely on third-party verification to tell you where uh, what is the percentage of ads that uh, that have been that have been fraudulent, and then you can multiply that with uh, CPM and, uh, and and cetera. It's not a you know, it's not a super complex thing. Uh, it starts with uh, it starts with basic, and then if it basics, and then you go, and then you go from there. Thanks for that, Stevan. We've covered uh, many of the challenges and and some of the the possible solutions or recommendations for brand in terms of uh, approach. What would you say are the biggest opportunities in terms of how we view brand safety now? I think the the latest trend that we are seeing, and it is actually an opportunity. It is this uh, shift from the consideration only from brand safety to brand suitability and contextual relevance. So in the past, it was, you know, uh, on or off uh, brand safety. We are now moving where to, the, to the point where brand safety, as in uh, different 11 types of content that is unacceptable for any brand, are uh, basically uh, table stakes. They should be. And then we move into what each brand you know can consider in terms of whether they are a low risk medium risk or high risk and then choosing different type of content based on that and then on top of that comes the contextual relevance so if you're an automotive brand uh, should you run you know in travel uh, type of content or you should run in uh, in beauty type of content 
And I think that is the, probably the greatest opportunity for, uh, for the consideration of the brand safety slash uh, brand suitability, because if you get that right, the contextual relevance and you get your risk profile uh, right, you can actually drive your performance um, uh, as, uh, as, uh, as well. Okay, and um, you also mentioned earlier around social responsibility. I, I would actually see that as an opportunity for brands. It is the way um, the way brands communicate to the public uh, and how they communicate their purpose uh, and uh, you know to to their consumers is actually an opportunity. And then if they if they actually connect that with how they invest in their media, which uh, media types they are supporting, do they align? It is uh, consumers can recognize this. I don't I don't have now any clear figures with me but I remember in the past there uh, there are different types of research that show that you know they they like their brands to be aligned that they like brands actions to be aligned with their purpose uh, they are more considerate towards those that kind of brands and and so there is a there is definitely an opportunity on there and you have like a whole line of, of brands who, who just you know who, who build their brand on a purpose, on a on a very distinct purpose. So I think the clear example is Nike. Um, they have very specific uh, purpose, uh, and they have a very uh, they're very aligned on what they do and what they don't do. Okay, I think if I had to summarize what you said, I would put um, put this under three pillars. One being uh, your brand purpose or brand values. Um, because that should be your starting point in terms of uh, guiding your brand safety principles. Two is brand suitability, and I would say three, brand safety from how do you actually implement um, your your governance and principles around it. But my question is, is the, the, the tools that are there, are they effective or do we need to revisit this? Well, the tools that are out there um, are as good as uh, the time and technology we are in. You know, uh, nothing is nothing is perfect. There is no. It's. Um, I think um, I'll, I'll just divert a bit, uh, if you don't mind. But um, when we when we had this whole discussion about overblocking of COVID content, for example. Everybody um, started uh, bashing the tools that we have, saying that they're too blunt and they don't recognize things and they don't recognize what is positive, what is negative, etc. And what we came to re- understand is that it's not the problem of tools; it's how we used those tools. Um, we have, uh, we as the industry are sometimes slow to move from what we know to what we don't know and what is new. Sorry, what you're saying is that um, we we need to reevaluate um, the tools, but at the same time, don't blame it on the tools if your policies and processes are not correct. Yeah, that's true. I mean, tools are are, are there to, to help, to support you. Um, but uh, and obviously we expect them to be effective and efficient. But uh, you know, technology, some technology, just not there. There are very few number of companies who can, for example, process the actual video content, and that is crucial for brand safety and suitability on, in video environments. So you know, you you just have to take all of that into consideration. There is no perfect technology. Let's put it that way. Yes, for sure, um, Stefan. I just want to 
to ask you in terms of closing, what will success look like? Success looks like um, like investing in you know uh, you as a as a brand having a clear uh, clearly defined risk tolerance uh, profile, defining what you can and what you cannot invest in, and then uh, optimizing uh, against uh, against that. Success looks like in the in the reputational field, not being called out as a brand for funding wrong con- kind of uh, content. But ultimately, what success looks like is uh, being able to say, yes, I invest in quality content, but quality content actually does deliver better results for my brand. And for that, I think we, we need more case studies that prove that quality does effectiveness and efficiencies. Yeah, I would certainly like to see more case studies come out in the industry, especially from a South African local context. I have a few, not from South Africa, that I can share. Uh, we've done something with uh, with IES. Actually, you can just Google IES Group M France and or IES Group M Nordics, and you will you will see two uh, two studies. But I'll speak also to my uh, South African colleagues. Maybe we can come up with some. Thanks. I really appreciate it, Stevan. Thank you so much for your time today. I really uh, enjoyed the conversation. No, thank you for the invitation. I enjoyed it uh, as well. And uh, hopefully we can repeat this in two or three years' time in a different, more fluid brand safety environment. Yeah, I'm sure it's going to look completely different then. You know, nothing is constant in digital. We know that. Agreed. We're excited. You're excited. I really value and appreciate your support during this time. Helping decision makers navigate the change and keep some change in their pockets. Don't forget to subscribe. Follow our Instagram handle at TalkDigitalZA. Engage us on our website at TalkDigitalZA.co.za. And who knows, you could be featuring on the next one.